Amen. All righty, well, open up your Bibles with me this morning. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10. As you're turning there, I guess I'll tell you a little bit about ourselves. As most of you know, uh, I'm missionary Rob Jones. My wife Myra's with us. We have a young daughter, Lily. Um, she'll be eight months this week. And uh, we are on deputation to go to South Africa as missionaries. Many of you have known me. Um, I've been friends with uh, quite a few of the Slatteries for a long time. And some of you have known my grandfather. So it's good to see some, um, some old friends and, and to uh, meet some new people there. So it's, thank you for having us this morning. Uh, from the time I was young, I, I thought God wanted me to be a missionary. When I was little, I would hear stories of my grandfather as he traveled to Ireland and Jamaica and India and Cuba. And I'd hear all these stories and I thought, well, maybe one day I can be a missionary. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed all through high school. God, where would you want me to be a missionary? And, um, and my wife and I, we started dating in Bible college and we, um, we were just wondering, God, you know we, know, we know you want us to go to the mission field, but we don't know where. Um, so we do things, you know, like, all right, we're going to spin this globe, and wherever my finger lands is where God's calling us, you know, Atlantic Ocean, you know, spin again. So we tried, and we tried, and we prayed, and, and God just never laid anywhere in our hearts. We continued to pray, and got to our senior year of Bible college, and um, God had never showed us anywhere. So we, we thought, God, you've called us to be missionaries, but you haven't given us a mission field. We're happy to go anywhere, but just, just tell us where. So as we got to our senior year, our pastor recommended we start candidating at some churches that needed pastors, and uh, so we did. We traveled a bit, and we, we went to some churches, and some good churches, some good opportunities, uh, good people, but we knew that God wanted us on the mission field. So we said, God, where do you want us to go? And I told God, we went to one church, and it was it was um, great opportunity, great people, and I probably shouldn't have done, I'd done this, but I put a deadline on God. I said, God, if you want me to be a missionary, I need you to tell me this week. I said, if you don't, I'm going to take this church. I, you know, we, <laughs> you know we, we just need to know. Please tell us. That week, I went to a conference, and a missionary from Mexico got up, and he said, I've been taking trips over to South Africa. He said, and we have seen thousands of people come to Christ. And he said, I need a missionary who's going to come and start a church so that these people have a church to go to. He said, we're seeing thousands of people saved, but I don't have anywhere to send them. And he said, I need a missionary. And I said, yeah, he's right. He needs a missionary. And I said, and he said, we need to pray that God will send somebody. And I said, God, would you send somebody to South Africa? And I thought, what a dummy. I have been praying and begging that God would show me where he wants me to go. And here I have a need presented in front of me. And so we said, God, if you want us to go to South Africa, that's where we'll go. We just got back from our survey trip a few weeks ago, and I've never seen anything like it. A beautiful country, um, lots of beautiful sights, uh, lots of different things, uh, you know, great cultures and good food. As you can tell, um, you know, I'm not starving for sure. So it was, um, it was beautiful. But most importantly, the people there, I've never seen an openness to the gospel like that anywhere else. Uh, my wife and I, while we were there, just the two of us were able to see over 1,500 people come to Christ while we were there. And these are people who, who would come up afterwards and beg us for Bibles to, to be baptized, to, to attend. A, uh, they were like, Pastor, where is your church? I want to attend. And I'm not a pastor. I don't have a church. That's why we're raising support. So, you know, we tell them we're, we're coming back, and, and when we come back, we'll start a church. But just to see the openness and the hunger, um, it, it's amazing to see. If you're there in Hebrews chapter 10, if you will stand with me for the reading of God's Word, we'll be in verse 36. Says, for ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man shall draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. 
But we are not of them that draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. And by it he being dead yet speaketh. Look in verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. This morning I'll be preaching on the subject, Acting on Your Faith. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning, not out of habit, but because we need you to meet with us. As we open your word and we see the truth that you've put in there, we ask that you help us to apply it to our lives. Lord, we don't just want to be Christians in name, but we want to be Christians that live by faith. Help us to be who you want us to be, and thank you for this great church. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Verse 38 says, Now the just shall live by faith. It's a very unique phrase. It's only found in Scripture four times. The just shall live by faith. Now we know that faith is essential to the Christian. Faith is what gives us salvation. We, um, we saw uh, earlier that, that beautiful song that, where it says, um, Just as I am. And we know that when we come to Christ, He will save us. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, For by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The just have life through faith. The Bible says that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when we are saved, we have life through faith. But Hebrews chapter 10 goes a little farther. And it says the just, not just are to have life through faith, but are to continue to live by faith. Now, no good works can save you. God will accept you where you are, in your sin. He will forgive your sin and He will give you salvation. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can try to do that will give you salvation. But so many Christians, America's churches are filled with people who are saved and that's it. I hear people all the time, they say, Oh, have you read what's in the news? Have you heard what's going on? We're just hanging on until Jesus comes. And America's churches are filled with people who are just hanging on. They're not living by faith, they just have faith. I see many people and they'll post on Facebook, they'll say, Oh, I am a Christian. You go to their their profile and it'll say, you know, Patriot, Father, Christian. And you continue to scroll a little bit and you say, Really? A Christian? You see, because they have faith, Christianity is their faith, but they have no life. They have no Christian life that follows that faith. We talk about people, we say they are of the Buddhist faith. They are of the Islamic faith. You see, the Bible says that our faith is not just something that we should have. It's something that we should live. We are not just to have faith. We are to live by that faith. So many Christians, salvation, they get saved. Oh, Lord, save me. I'm a sinner. Lord, forgive me. I believe that Jesus died for me. Take me to heaven. They get saved and they say, wow, that's awesome. Then they kind of put it in their pockets and say, okay, I'm a Christian. They never live by faith. So many people do not do what God wants them to do. Young men do not go to the mission field, do not surrender to preach. Families don't live their lives the way that God wants them to. We meet many people and they say they're a Christian and they live their lives contrary to what's found in the Bible. You see, because they have faith, but they're not living by faith. 
This morning, I won't take too much of your time, but we're going to look at three hindrances to living by faith. In my life, I found that when I was not living by faith, whenever God would give me something to do and I, I disobeyed, whenever I knew what was right and I didn't obey, I found that there were three hindrances. They're all found in Daniel chapter 3. If you'll turn over with me, this is where we'll spend the majority of our, our time today. I want each of us to evaluate ourselves and say, am I living by faith? Is my faith, that is some, is my faith something that is actionable to me? Is Christian just something that I am or is Christian something that I do? There are many people and they come to church, they sit, they may even sing a song, but when the preacher says, this is what the Bible has said, God has said you're supposed to live this way. God has said you're not supposed to live this way. God has said you're supposed to do this. Many people, they have faith. They're sitting in the pew. They're singing the songs. They may even say amen, but when it comes to doing it, they're not living by faith. You see, our faith is not just something that we should have. Our faith is something that we should live. Daniel chapter 3, very familiar passage. We'll look in verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains. The judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Verse 4, Then an herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations and the languages, fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. There are so many people here in this passage, and as we look at this passage, we see Nebuchadnezzar the king, he's made an image, 90 feet high, 9 feet wide, possibly an image of himself, and he says, when the music plays, I want you to bow down to the image that I've set up. Now, there were many people here, they knew what was right to do. They had faith. The Bible says that in Jeremiah chapter 52 that several thousand Jews were taken from Israel to Babylon. These are people who you would look at and say, these are God's people. These are people of faith. These are people who have seen God work. They've seen God's hand. They know what's right to do. But what happens? When the music plays, the people bow. These are people who you would look at and say they have faith, but they didn't live by faith. So many Christians are in the same way where they have faith, but the trials come, the pressures come, inconveniences come, they don't live by faith. It's sad to see so many people who will get saved, they'll come to church for a little bit, they'll get real excited and you say, wow, that's awesome. They have a newfound faith. And what happens? Something happens in their life. Six months later, they're gone. You never hear from them again. You see, because they had faith, but they didn't live by faith. These Israelites here, you see, they had faith. They knew that there was one God. They knew He said, worship the Lord thy God. Him only shalt thou serve. They knew. They had faith. They believed. But when it came time to act on that belief, they didn't do it. We see the first kind of hindrance, if you will, of attitude 
that keeps us from living by faith, and I call it having gullible faith. You see, man's made so that he has to believe in something. Some people, they they believe in, in only their health, their bank account. Some people believe in a false god. But everyone has some level of faith. That's why Hebrews chapter 11 says faith is the substance. Faith is only as good as its substance. For example, I could worship this speaker, and I'd get exactly what a speaker could give me. I can pray to it, I can call out to it, and all I'll get is what this speaker can give me. Because I put my faith in this speaker. So many people, they put their faith in something that can't back it up. Many people, they live their faith based on what someone else says online. Many people, they live their, they live their lives, they put their faith in what the preacher says and not what the book says. I've seen so many people, and they come to church... And they're there and they're faithful and, and they say, oh yeah, I'm all in. And then the preacher says something they don't like and they leave. You know why? Because their faith wasn't in the book. Their faith was in the preacher. You see, your faith is only as good as its object. If you put your faith in something that can work, then, you know, that's a, then your faith, you can live by faith. So many people over in Africa, their faith is in rocks and, and wood and stone and, and all sorts of, of, of silly things. While we were over there, I picked up this, um, this statue from a roadside vendor. And I just thought it was a neat little hand-carved statue. I didn't know much about it. Stone figure. It was, it was real heavy, real neat. And I put it in my suitcase, and we were traveling. I had an ostrich egg in there right next to it. Now, it, you know, a big stone, heavy statue and an ostrich egg, not a good idea. But we were traveling, and I was with a national pastor there, and he said... He said, you know, I don't have anything African in my house. I know the culture. And he said, there are these idols. And there are these black stone statues. They're kind of stick figure looking. He just describes the exact thing I have just bought. Now, I, I did it out of ignorance. I did. But I had it in my suitcase. And I'm thinking, oh, no, Lord, what have I done? Well, we got back to the, to the hotel. And I unzipped my suitcase. The ostrich egg completely untouched. I tell you, that black solid stone was smashed to pieces. I've never seen anything like it. Never seen anything like that before. But I tell you, there are people over there and they'll take something like that and they'll worship it. They'll put their faith in it. And we look at them and we say, wow, why would you ever put your faith in something that can't hear you? Something that can't answer you? Something that can't help you? And we say, they're silly. But we do the same thing. You see, we put our faith in the government, not the book. So many Christians, they live their life, you see, they're they're always posting online about what the president said or what the president should have done, you see, and they're not posting about what they read in the book. See, their faith is in the government, and the government will fail you. You, There are many people, their faith is in what they heard an online preacher say, and they'll say, oh, he said this, this is what I should do, and they won't continue to live by faith because their faith is not in the book. Their faith is in what a preacher said. Many people, they say, oh, This is the way my family's always done it. Their faith is in tradition and not in the book. You see, everyone has some level of faith, but where is your faith? Is your faith in the fact that if God said it's right, it's right? If God said it's wrong, it's wrong. And if the book says it, it's enough for me. So many people, their faith is in something that can't hear them and can't help them. Secondly, you see the second hindrance, and it's what I call cowardly faith. First, we saw gullible faith, faith that just goes off what you know somebody says. The next fad, the next new thing, that's gullible faith. Secondly, we see cowardly faith. 
Only three people stood when the music played. A few historians estimate that over 70,000 Jews were taken from Israel to Babylon. Only three stood. You know why? They were scared of the furnace. So many Christians, they don't live by faith because they're scared of what may happen to them. Many people, they, you know, maybe at a, a holiday, they don't witness to their family because they're scared, what will people think of me? They don't witness in the workplace because they're scared, what will people think of me? They don't tell their friends, they don't tell their neighbors because they're scared, because they have a fear of what will happen if I live by faith. Sometimes God will convict someone, maybe there's someone here and there's a sin that needs to be repented of. And you think, if I do that, if I repent of that sin, what will people think of me? Because you're scared, you have a fear. Now, it's a natural fear to have. It's okay to have some sort of fear. I mean, I guess it's okay to, to worry about that, but if it affects if you live by faith, you have a cowardly faith. So many people, they don't do what God has called them to do because they're scared of what it may cost them. Many people don't surrender to go to the mission field because they wonder, what will it cost me? Will it cost my finances? Will I have to leave my family? What will it cost me to go to a foreign country? You see, they don't live by faith. They don't act on what God has called them to do because they're not living by faith. They're living by fear. They use the same excuses. You know, they say, oh, well, you know, if I don't do that, I can just be a witness here. Well, that's true. You can. But if God's called you to do it. Now, if God hasn't called you to go to the foreign mission field, that's fine. But if God has and you're not doing it, what's your reason? Are you living by faith? Maybe God's called you to do something else. Maybe God wants you to, to work on the bus route, to work in the nursery, to sing in the choir. God has spoken to you about something that you can do. You can live by faith, and what are you going to do about it? Are you scared? Oh no, what if someone hears my voice? What will they think? You see, many Christians, they don't live by faith either because of the authority of another. They have gullible faith. Or because they're scared. Fearful faith. Now, we don't face furnaces or idols or kings like these three Hebrew boys did. We face everyday, ordinary things. You know, many churches today, they're scared about losing their tax-exempt status. Well, the church in Jerusalem, they were scared about losing their heads. We don't face the same problems they do. When God tells us something that we need to do, a sin that needs to be repented of, a decision that needs to be made, whatever it is in your life, I don't know what God's speaking to you about. Only you can. The question is, will you act on it? Is your faith just something that you have? Is your faith just something like a t-shirt that you wear? Oh, I am a Christian. That's not what it's about. It's about are you living like a Christian? When God speaks to you, what will you do with it? Will you say, oh, well, so-and-so said I don't have to. Goldable faith. If I do, what will it cost me? Fearful faith. We see the third kind of faith, and probably the most prevalent, at least in my life, that's bargaining faith. Look at verse 17. It says, or verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. So many Christians, they have a bargaining faith. They say, I will obey if. That's not what these three Hebrew boys said. They said, God, I will obey regardless. 
Many Christians, they say, God, I'll go to the mission field if. God, I'll sing in the choir if. God, I'll join the church if. God, I'll pass out a gospel track if. And we give God a requirement. Here are three Hebrew boys and they said, you know, it doesn't matter whether our, our bodies be burned. We're going to serve. We're going to obey. We're going to live by faith. You see, our faith isn't just something we have. Our faith is real to us. Our faith is something that we live by. You see, I don't just have faith. I'm going to live by faith. That's what these three Hebrew boys said. All the time out soul winning, I meet people and they say, Oh, I believe in God. I was in a car wreck and he healed me. Sounds like a good reason, I guess. You were in a car wreck, he healed you. I meet people, they say, Oh, I believe in God. I had cancer and he healed my body. Sounds like a good reason to believe in God. You had cancer and He healed you. Say He didn't heal you. Say He gave you cancer. Say the trials in your life got hard. Will you still obey? You see, if your faith is based on what God does and not in who God is, you have a bargaining faith. So many Christians, their faith is based on the blessings they've been given. They say, God, I will serve you because you've blessed me. We treat God sometimes like He's this big vending machine in the sky. We put in a quarter prayer and we expect a quarter blessing. But He's the God of heaven, all-knowing, all-powerful. He looked down from heaven and He saw us lost in our sins. He sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross. I think of the time as a young boy when He looked down and saw Rob Jones lost and on his way to an eternal fiery hell. I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I don't deserve heaven. I don't deserve any of what He's given me. So many Christians, they take that wonderful salvation, so undeserved, and they say, thank you, God. Give me more. Thank you, God. Can I have some more? God says, serve me. I will if you give me some more. Serve me. God, I'll serve you, but... You know, can you heal me? God, I'll serve you. Can you give me a job? So many Christians, their faith is based on what God does, not on who God is. One illustration, and and I'll be done. Job didn't have bargaining faith. You read the book of Job. One day Satan came to God, and he said, Have you considered, uh, God said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, an upright man, faithful in all his ways? Satan said, He only serves you because of what you've given him. God said, take it away. I have one daughter. I couldn't imagine what it would be like to lose her. Job had ten children. And one day, all of his wealth, all of his family gone. What did he say? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Satan comes back to God and God says, Hey, look at Job. You see him? He's faithful. He serves me. He doesn't have bargaining faith. Satan says, touch his body. He won't serve you. Job wakes up the next day, he's got sores all over his body. What does he say? The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Cursed be the name of the Lord. No, he said blessed be the name of the Lord because his faith was not based on what he had. It was on the fact that there is a God in heaven. He sits on the throne and he rules. doesn't matter what he gives me, it doesn't matter what he takes away. I'll serve him. Real Bible faith is saying, you know, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter what it costs me. It doesn't matter how I benefit. God, you said to do it. That's enough. Old bumper sticker, it says, The Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it. Hey, look, the Bible says it, that settles it, whether you and I believe it or not. It's time that Christians stop living their lives based on anything else but the book. 
See, gullible faith says obey if it's popular. Cowardly faith says obey if it's safe. Bargaining faith says obey if it's profitable. When you live by faith, you'll obey because it's right. Our faith is revealed by the light of the fire of the furnace. You know, there may be a time as we see all the wicked things that are coming in this world where we may not have the freedom to meet like we do today. Will you live by faith? Maybe God's spoken to you about something this morning. Maybe you're here and you haven't trusted Jesus as your Savior. Oh, don't leave today without knowing 100% sure that heaven's your home. You, you don't know what's going to happen to you. You could leave today and today could be your last day on this earth. Please today trust Jesus. But maybe you're here and God's spoken to you about something in your life. A sin, a decision, a commitment, whatever it is. Live by faith. God's spoken to you, that should be enough. If you will, bow your head and close your eyes. My, my time is gone. And as the preacher comes, I ask, will you live by faith? Father in heaven, please forgive us for all the times that we haven't obeyed you as we should. Help us to be the Christians you want us to be. Help us to live by faith, not just have it, not just a badge we wear, but a life we live. Thank you for your salvation. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.